College baseball fans, it's time for the D1 Baseball Podcast with Mike Rooney, Aaron Fitt, and Kendall Rogers. Let's win every podcast. Now, here's the pride of the Newtown Edgemont Little League, Coach Rooney. Hello and welcome to the 36 Jerome Bettis Minutes of Heaven we call the D1 Baseball Podcast. I am your host, Michael Patrick Rooney, joined by the great Kendall J. Rogers. Kendall, happy end of summer. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm glad it is not scorching hot anymore. We're finally getting some rain. So we went like two months with no rain here. I know like no in way. Arizona, you're totally used Ooh. to that, but uh, that is a lot here. here now. Yeah, that's crazy. And you and um, the great Riley Clutch Rogers and Mason mm-hmm. Rogers are back in school, correct? They're, they're back in school. So, you know, the big thing about Mr. Mason is we're trying to figure out, you know, what sport he wants to play today. He wanted to go watch local peewee football practice. So we went out and watched football practice. So he says he wants to play that next year. So he's nice. not following. He does not want to follow in dad's footsteps and wanting to potentially do baseball. He's uh, apparently interested in football. We'll see how it goes. I love it. Now, uh, has his grudge match of Fortnite with the great Todd Walker taken place, or do we still have to work? Uh, I still need to set that up. Uh, okay. I feel like it might be slightly weird if I texted Todd out of the blue and asked if he could play <laughs> my eight-year-old. Uh, I'll but yeah, text him. That needs to happen. That needs to I'll happen. be the Don Actually, King of this. Yeah, let's do it. You could get on you know what? You could get on there as like a name with like, you know, Co- coach Rooney 98247 and get on there and play him. <laughs> Pay-per-view. Oh. Todd better great. watch out though. He's pretty good. Mason's legit, right? Like he's uh, yeah. very good. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's is funny, there is like, is he have a weakness in Fortnite that you could identify or a strength or what? How do you how would you evaluate uh, Mason's? I feel Fortnite like he game? doesn't handle adversity very well. Yeah, I feel like when that, he gets yeah. cornered a little bit, he he might get a little, you know, get a little flustered. Yeah. So I think you just have to kind of get him on the ropes a little bit. So he struggles to get to the next pitch in Fortnite. That, that's... He does. He definitely does not have a closer <laughs> mentality. It's not a closer mentality. Oh, he's he's eight. I oh yeah. Yeah, I, think, I mean, I he, if he walks yeah. somebody in the ninth inning, like it's about to get ugly. Oh gosh, I, I Mike Rooney is an eight-year-old. I I couldn't get to the next pitch in two months' time. We were wearing wearing the failure on our jersey. Oh my gosh. I I was very hyper as a kid, so I don't know what my comp would be. Oh um, gosh. I'm trying to think of what my comp would be. It, it it's just a lot of hyperactivity, I guess. It's it's ironic that um the little league stuff is on right now and it's so good. I'm so in my town, obviously why why am I telling you this? I've talked about Newton Edgemont Little League every podcast mm-hmm. in two years. But that said, making the twelve year old All Star team in our town was a huge deal. And you probably played twenty five games as a twelve year old to make the All Star team. And I went 0 for 4 in the first game opening day and just bawling in tears at home. My dad had to sit me down. I I was telling my dad, I'm already not making the all-star team because I went 0 for 4 in game one. It was, oh gosh, I need to get a beer in my dad and ask him about that story again. Goodness gracious. And you end up playing baseball at Notre Dame. Oh gosh. I'd say it worked out well for you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Despite the 0 for 4. So um hey let's uh, let's thank our sponsors and then we'll get into this the uh, future of sports has arrived and that's because our good friends at s2 cognitions are delivering a revolutionary approach to helping athletes understand how in-game decisions impact their performance from the youth levels all the way to the professional level so thanks to the folks at s2 cognition so kr let me point this out and then we'll get to the, the topic du jour um we the website went through a makeover 
and it's really cool. And I'll let you yeah. describe it, but it's it sounds like it's very much focused on mobile devices. Is that accurate? Yeah, I think the big thing with us is like I, you know, Aaron will tell you uh, I'm a I'm a you know I'm a, I'm a tinker kind of guy. Like I like tinkering with things. I think the biggest thing for us over the last couple of years is like every off season, let's kind of find something design wise on the site to kind of make the user experience a little bit better. And I think if you looked at last year. I felt like on the mobile side, especially, it might have been a little cluttered at the top. And now, if you kind of go to our mobile site, you go to our desktop, you basically see everything you could possibly want to see over the last like three weeks in like one glance. And so, uh, it's a, for for me, it's all about just improving the user experience more than anything else, more than having a bunch of bells and whistles. But uh, we will have some bells and whistles coming later this fall. I don't want to spoil it, but uh, we have a lot coming. That's awesome. Hey, and, and so the topic for today, KR, is we're going to, you wrote a piece recently, very recently, mm-hmm. on you ranked the top 30 assistant coach hires. So yep. if, you know, if I was going to put context around this, you, you know, there are 44 head coaching changes in D- Division One baseball. And when there's head coaching changes, there's going to be assistant coach mm-hmm. changes. And, you know, this this is near and dear to my heart. Obviously, I spent time as an assistant coach in Division One yeah. baseball. And I just, I think... Um, I'm going to break this down into some themes that we saw in the assistant coach hiring, but man, these guys are the lifeblood of your program in that they're the face of your recruiting operation. You know, the head coach can't coach every position. The head coach has got media obligations that just continue Mm -hmm. to grow. So I, there, there, I want to start with this KR. I look back at some of the hires over the last 10 years in college baseball, maybe even 15 years. And some of the ones that didn't go well, I feel like part of it was not getting the right staff. The staff yeah. fit was a problem. And then I'm going to give you some examples. I don't want to get into the negative. I'm going to give you some examples of some ones that went really well. And yeah. I think this, the, the assistant coach hires were, were really important there. So let me give you a couple right out of the bat. Recently, Tennessee and A&M, I would argue that Jim Schlossnagel and Tony V crushed those assistant coach hires. No, they did. And I think it's important if you look at a staff, you know, if you if you look at AM, for instance, let's start with those guys. You know, when Jim Schlossstingle took the head coaching job, uh, you know, he wanted guys that have national championship experience. Like he his whole thing is, you know, it's kind of like if you sell the Omaha vision, you never get the Omaha. It's kind of hard to sell that vision, right? If mm-hmm. you're going to go to the SEC and you're going to sell a championship vision. Like, you can't do it without guys that have done it. So you go hire, you know, Nolan Kane, who won a championship as a player. You go hire Nate Yeske, who won a championship at Oregon State as a, as a coach. Uh, you know, Michael Early was at uh, Arizona State, you know, tutoring, you know, Spencer Torkelson and guys like that. Granted, he doesn't have a national championship, but he had a good pedigree. He had a good background. I think if you look at Tennessee, uh, I think, the, the, the to me, the most important thing, and we'll, I'm kind of curious your thought on this, too, but to me, for a head coach, especially a young head coach like Tony Vitello, what's really important is knowing what your strengths are and knowing what your weaknesses are. It's it's easy for us to sit around and go, oh, man, I'm really good at this. I'm really good at that. But you know what? It's not as easy to go, you know what? I may not know everything about this aspect of, of you know, being a head coach in a big-time program. I think when Tony took that job, you know, what did he do? He went out and hired Josh Elander who, you know, had a really good reputation as a, as a you know, a, a player at TCU. Uh, everybody kind of thought he was going to be a rising star in the coaching industry. And most importantly, he went out and hired Frank Anderson, who 
you know, was an assistant coach at Texas Tech, was an assistant coach at Texas in the top assistant role, you know, was, uh, you know, at Oklahoma State as a head coach. So he was a guy that was able to, you know, where Tony didn't have that experience as a head coach, he was able to kind of step in there and go, you know what, this is kind of how things are done here and there. So I think it just says a lot about those two coaches, especially Tony. Uh, you know, Jim's been around, you know, the block a, a few times as a head coach. And so he he kind of knows what everything to do. But like for Tony in that role to step in there and go, you know what, I need this guy. I need Frank Anderson around me. I, I don't think it's a coincidence that Tennessee is winning big with Tony because he recognized that he needs those kind of guys around him. And let's not forget, uh, granted, he wasn't with them last year, but let's not for, forget the other hire he made in getting Ross Kivett a guy. We, you know, we talk about championships. We talk about, you know, overachieving and things like that. You know, how about Ross Kivett? I mean, this is a guy that helped lead Kansas State to a super regional with Mike Clement as an assistant coach. Uh, and so he just – he made some great hires, and the same kind of goes for AM. And if you look at – you know, LSU now, we'll get into that in a minute, but if you look at LSU now with guys like Wes Johnson, clearly Jay Johnson kind of knows the recipe too. So I think for coaches it's important. And this is kind of, for me, this is kind of, I guess, advice for all coaches, whether you're ultra successful, young, old, is like, man, like, you know, be aware of, of your weaknesses and be open about it because you never know as a coach like who you might be able to, to kind of reel in to your program if you're if you're willing to admit that there might be guys out there and and we're probably going to get this in a second but like two guys that come to mind for me runes and when i look at hires that are on on this list is i look at mike trapasso and i look at tim jameson at ut arlington and memphis respectively if you look at clay van hook going from oklahoma to uta guess what he's kind of a, a you know a younger coach um you know granted he's like around my age so i guess i can't call him too young but like <laughs> he you know he's a younger coach like he's he's yeah. raw as a head coach and so what did uh, Clay do? He went out and hired Mike Taylor, who was an assistant under Wayne Graham. And he went out and hired Trap, who was at one of the more difficult jobs in the country. Yeah, people think like Hawaii is some easy job. Man, that's a really hard job. And a guy that was there forever, like he knows how to run a program. The same kind of goes for Carrick. And granted, Carrick's been a head coach before. But, you know, Carrick getting Tim Jamison with his mm -hmm. experience at SIU – his experience being a premier pitching mind and coach at Missouri. People forget, I, I know, and, and this isn't like an indictment on Steve Beezer or anything like that, or, you know, any, any guys Missouri's had since this point, but like people forget that Tim Jameson had Missouri in a really, really good spot when they went in the SEC. It's just the SEC is a, such a, such a yeah. grinder. Yeah. I mean, what seven straight regionals under coach J coach Jameson yeah. in, in, in uh, at a place were, with a poor Gulf. facility. Yeah, Max Scherzer, you know Ian Kinsler, and um, yeah, incredible. Yeah, it. Yeah, it's it. Yeah. And I think I think to your point on Tony Vitello, it's like, you know, Josh Elander has turned has blossomed into this incredible assistant coach, future head coach. But you know, I, I wouldn't call him like a famous name before Tennessee. No, not at all. Frank not Anderson all. had kind of become an undervalued asset. You know, Houston was a really good program, but you know, Frank Frank was kind of off. I'd say the yeah. the the radar that he'd been at when he was at texas tech and texas yeah I forgot, I forgot to mention the houston stat too yeah yeah i mean he was great there and but but it was yeah. still it was kind of like it was i don't know it wasn't super um it there wasn't a ton of promotion or noise there i'll give you some other ones kendall and then we'll get to west johnson i mean i think about virginia when brian o'connor got started i mean the, the yeah. continuity there louisville's continuity i mean how about louisville roger williams is still with dan mcdonald and mm -hmm. chris limonis 
was the, the you know like you hire a guy that was was going to win a national title down the road as your recruiting coordinator that's pretty good hey i, I think stanford and oregon recently were really good examples um, Mark Wasikowski hires Jake Angier and, and Jack Martyr, who are, you yeah. know, just stud assistant coaches. You know, Thomas Eager going to Stanford. You know, I, hey, Texas Tech, you know, if if um, yeah. J-Bob, right? Like J-Bob Thomas was a huge hire, and that was an under-the-radar hire by mm-hmm. Tim Tadlock. I'm like, only yeah. Tim, only Tads knew how good of a hire that was. And, you know, I, I would say Josh Holiday at Oklahoma State also, you know, hiring Rob Cooper and, you know, he's just continuing to make good hires that, that part of the, the challenge is when you do well, that you have to keep making those hires. So, Hey, what, let's yeah. get, let's, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Can I, well, I, no, I was going to say real, real quick two two other guys that kind of come to mind. I'm kind of looking at guys that have been places for a long time as, you know, Jeff Palumbo at East Carolina, like his yes. name is kind of synonymous with their rise under Cliff Godwin. And, you know, I get it. Like Cliff's a great coach. But I can tell you what, Cliff Godwin would be the first person to give Jeff Palumbo a lot of that credit. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's done a great job. He's been loyal to East Carolina. And the other the other thing for me, the other guy for me that, you know, I didn't really – like I've known the guy forever. He's a friend of mine. I did, had no idea that – and I guess I didn't realize I was this old. I didn't realize he was had been at Ole Miss this long. But Carl Lafferty runes, this was his 16th season with Mike Bianco at Ole Miss. He's like, like the Brad Bohannon now. Yeah, he's yeah, like the new boat. 16 Bo. seasons. I mean, that's unbelievable. Hard to do in that league, by the way. It really it really <laughs> is. It those really are not is. tenured positions in the SEC. No, you be, you're, you better be doing a half-assed job or, or better to keep that job in the SEC. Yeah, yeah, well said, well said. So, hey, let, let's 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 talk about Wes Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um, that, I mean, on it on paper, that's crazy, right? There are 30 big league pitching coach jobs, 30 of them on the planet earth. Wes Johnson had one of them. And now he is the pitching coach at LSU. First of all, just Jay Johnson, the hooks to, to call a big league pitching coach and say, Hey, what do you think about being an sec West pitching coach? I love that. Um, but mm-hmm. you know, it, I'll, I'll make a point, Kendall, and I, I want to get your thoughts on it. It, to me, it kind of opens the door to, I don't know, could Chris Fetter end up back in college baseball? Could Derek Johnson end up back in college baseball as a pitching coach? Uh, but but give me your take. When that news broke, what, what were your reactions? Uh, my reaction, I was actually in Omaha, and when I first got the text about it, um, I was like, yeah, there's no way that's happening. <laughs> but So I, I guess I can say it now, but like I texted Jay, and I'm kind of like, hey, is this true? And I just get like a wink emoji, and I'm like, oh, my God, like what a, what a no. great hire. And, you know, I'll, I'll say this. You know, we talk about – the the surprise of a pitching coach in big league ball going to college baseball but let's not forget you know there's been guys over the years um that have turned down big time jobs in pro ball you know think about nate yeski has turned down a pitching coach job on a big league team kirk sarlos has turned down probably multiple pitching coach jobs on big league teams so i mean that's not that uncommon but for a guy to leave the minnesota twins who uh, you'll have to bear with me. I haven't seen the standings. Aren't, aren't the twins like actually like in the second in the place now, of, but I think they were first place at the time. Yeah. Like they were first place at the time and to leave that job to go back to college baseball. I think for Jay Johnson, like I give him credit for shooting his shot because let's not forget they made a really hard run at West last year. 
mm-hmm. came up just short. Like he was really, really close to going to LSU before before they hired JK. And he, you know, decided to stay put with the twins. This go around, Jay Johnson just says, Hey, you know what? Like, dude, I'm like, I'm not I'm not accepting no for an answer. I want you at LSU. And I think the big thing with Wes Johnson is he loved Pro Ball. But from, you know, the multiple sources I've talked to, like Wes really wants to be a big-time college baseball head coach. And if you look at, you know, uh, data, like how many big league pitching coaches are coming back to college baseball to take an SEC job or to take an ACC job, like those are non-existent, right? And so if you're Wes and like your ultimate goal is to be a big-time college baseball head coach, he needed to get back into college baseball and he needed to get back to a big-time program. And he, and he did that with LSU. Yeah. And, and there was a lot of chatter. And I thought they, I thought they were fun conversations for, you know, if we're putting ourselves in Wes Johnson's you know shoes, is it a better quality life in college baseball than pro baseball? I mean, I think you can't answer you can't answer that question for someone else because it's all about what you value. But you mm-hmm. will sleep more nights in your own bed as a college coach than you will as a major league coach i mean i I think it's indisputable that it's more family friendly the college experience just because you're more you're you're more anchored in one place um i could be wrong about that but um you know recruiting is what it is and that requires a lot of travel both jobs have tons of expectations and pressure but that's yeah i mean i would say that yeah i mean i would say this too about about a college job and and you know granted you know every pro organization is a little different but I feel like in pro ball too, as opposed to college, like Jay Johnson, like he will be at LSU for five, at least five more years. Mm-hmm. Whereas like Wes Johnson, they could miss the postseason, and like he may be the fall guy, right? Like he may be the guy that they make fall on the sword, and there goes that, and he has no job. And so, uh, you know, there, there's definitely more job security in college ball. And at the end of the day, I think it all boils down to the fact that it's kind of the kind of perfect timing and the perfect storm for them. Um, yeah. They they found him at a time that. You know, he was missing college baseball. He was wanting to be a college baseball head coach. And so on that note, you know, if LSU has a big year in 2023 and let's say they go to Omaha and a big-time job comes open and they go after Wes, I mean, it could be a pretty short stint in Baton Rouge. But I'll tell you what, if he can get them back to Omaha, I think they're happy with whatever, you know, whatever he gave them. Yeah, and also, like, the job he has at LSU, Wes Johnson, is so Mm -hmm. big that – you know, which jobs would he leave for, right? Like who can, who can afford him, you know, those types of things. And yeah. I, I want to say this to KR that, um, you know, what Jay Johnson's doing at LSU, the moment the, the excitement around the program. And, and I say this like Paul Maneri is one of my favorite all-time coaches. The guy mm-hmm. won a national title. I think even more impressive LSU for six straight years under Paul Maneri at the end, not at the very end, but, you know, very recently, they were top eight national seeds six straight years. They made being a top eight national seed look easy, and it's just not. It's really hard in the mm-hmm. SEC West. And but but it almost became, you know, like I felt like the LSU, the excitement around the LSU program was not as big as Mississippi State, Arkansas, places like that. And right now, the buzz around LSU. Now, again, Jay Johnson hasn't done what Palmineri did, which is win mm-hmm. a national title, take an LSU team to Omaha. Of, of course, he's only been there one year. All that said, the excitement around the LSU program, the college baseball fan in me is absolutely loving this. I mean, it, it's yeah. got me jacked up. What's really funny about Jay, too, and I kind of remember us talking about this, you know, when he was hired, 
And, you know, like personality wise, like culturally, he wasn't a great fit at LSU. But I think the point that I always made was like, Jay is one of those guys that like, he is a, in, this comes out a little bit wrong. It's, it's not meant to be wrong, but like he is a kind of a win at all cost kind of guy. And like that mindset at a place like LSU equals like big time success. And I think what happened with Jay is, you know, they got to a regional final against Southern Miss. They fell just short. They saw Ole Miss go to Omaha win the national championship. And I think he's thinking like, you know what? Like I'm not letting this happen again. And like he just went scorched earth and decided to go get Paul Skeens, Tommy White, uh, Christian Little, et cetera. And mm-hmm. I, and so you know, so on that notion, like maybe like maybe he is a great fit for LSU. You know, like yeah. the guys done a great the guys already done a great job recruiting there. Now we get to see his plan come to fruition from a just on the field standpoint. I have no doubt uh, they'll get there. I guess the only problem for them is, um, you know, like the expectation level for LSU going into next year it couldn't be higher. Right. And and that's going to be their biggest obstacles. Like how do they handle the expectations? Because LSU fans are looking at the roster, looking at adding Tommy and Paul and all these guys going, well, hell, or Thatcher heard, well, hell, mm-hmm. like I expect not only to get to Omaha, but man, we're going to win another national. We're going to win our seventh national championship. Yep. Like yeah, that's, be- that's our expectation. So like you're going into fall ball expected to win the national championship after you just made a regional. That's, yeah. that's a lot. That's a lot to handle as a as not only a coach, but as the players on that team. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's it's. Hey, and Dylan Cruz and Trey Morgan and those guys yeah. are gonna have draft expectations. I mean, Dylan Dylan Cruz is gonna be playing for one one all year. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a very solid point, Kr. And but I, I, I I've said this before, and and I it's still top of mind for me that you know Jay Johnson gets up thinking about how LSU can win national championships in baseball. And he goes to bed if he goes to bed thinking about how they can win national championships. And so his passion for the sport and his expectations match up perfectly with LSU's fan base's passion for the sport and expectations. Now, you know, those expectations becoming reality is a whole different animal as, as you know, as we've seen, but it's going to be really cool. All right. KR, let's segue into, I, I just don't remember this before in college baseball, but it's mm-hmm. so cool that we have a ton of head coaches that are recycling themselves. And I, that's probably, there's a better word for it, but let's just go with it <laughs> as assistant coaches. And I'll tell you where this has been going on for decades is college football and pro football. You know, you mm-hmm. get a crack at being a head coach. It works out or it doesn't. And then you end up as a defensive coordinator, an offensive coordinator. And um, I, you know, let me read off some of the examples. Monty Lee, head coach at Clemson, now the assistant coach mm-hmm. at South Carolina. T.J. Bruce, head coach at Nevada, now assistant coach at TCU. Remember, T.J. TJ Bruce has a national championship ring from being an assistant coach on that 2013 mm-hmm. UCLA team. Travis Jewett, head coach at Tulane, now assistant coach at USC. My man, Corey Mee, my classmate from Notre Dame. Uh, was a head coach at Toledo for many years now, and he's been an assistant for a while now, but uh, yeah. going to Western Michigan. Steve Rodriguez, Baylor to, to Texas. You mentioned Mike Trapasso, Hawaii to UTA. And, and my favorite one you mentioned, Tim Jamison. I think, you know, again, I, I want to back your point up, KR. That is a brilliant hire by Carrick Jackson at, at Memphis. Love that hire of Tim Jamison. So, um, I mean, that's that's like a, a, a list of rock stars right there, KR. It, it really is. And and I go back to Monty Lee, you know, in a, in a time where South Carolina needs, a, you know, we talk about LSU needing a little bit of a kind of a spark. 
South Carolina even more so needing a spark. And I think with with Monty Lee, I think he provides him a spark. So I think you get a guy who I'm not going to say he like feels scorn. Oh, like Monty's not the type of guy, but like he is a former coach at Clemson who's good now going to their arch rival. Who, by the way, he recruited all the guys that they won national championships with. There will be few coaches in college baseball more motivated this year to win and mm-hmm. to recruit at a high level than Monty Lee. And so I just think getting a guy like that infused in that program is big for Mark Kingston when they need a little they need a little pizzazz to him. Uh, you know, people forget. You know, I, I, I get that that Monty's you know time at Clemson didn't end great, but I mean, the guy went to Charleston, won forty plus games two straight years, got to a super regional one of those years. Uh, like he's a terrific coach, and like. Yeah, the, the Clemson years didn't end great. But, like, I think he's a really good coach. I think he's a really good hire for them. I think the other one for me that stands out is TJ Bruce going to TCU because I think if you're Kirk Starlis, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about a minute ago with Tony Vitello and knowing his strengths and weaknesses. I think Kirk Starlis recognized when Bill Mosiello went to Ohio State that, you know what, Mose was a really, really big part of this program, you know, not only just from an offensive coach standpoint – but recruiting, just having his mind in the clubhouse. And I think when he, when that, when he left, you know, Lois is probably like, dude, I got to go out and hire like a really, really good coach and might even mm-hmm. need to go look at the head coaching ranks. And he just so happened to find TJ Bruce, who, by the way, we talked about championship pedigree has a national championship. And so I thought that was a really good hire for them. And, and the, the other kind of the elephant in the room here, and I kind of circled TJ on this one is I think you're going to see this become more common with coaches that are in these these mid-major to lower mid-major leagues like the Mountain West with, with guys like T.J. Bruce. Because I think what's going to happen is as we see the, the seismic shift in college athletics and we see the seismic shift that college baseball is about to under, undergo with more scholarships, uh, you know, more coaches, you know, if the SEC, ACC, Big Ten, et cetera, have five, six coaches – like what's going to happen, right? Like some of these mid-major coaches are going, you know what? Like, man, I'm going to have a really hard time winning at this program. So I'm going to go insert myself at one of the better Power 5 programs and just, you know, kind of reinvent myself there in that role. And so I think you're going to see more and more mid-major coaches extract themselves from those leagues and go to these bigger conferences uh, as, as, you know, things kind of shift even more in college baseball. Yeah, I feel like it's I feel like it's a formula. It's a little bit old fashioned KR where, hey, like yeah. you, you're you're a primetime assistant. Like, let's let's just use TJ Bruce. Right. We'll, we'll walk him through it. He's a primetime assistant at UCLA. Now he's got head coaching experience at Nevada. And that now he's back at a primetime program like TCU. So TCU mm-hmm. makes a bunch of noise and you're an AD and you're looking at TJ Bruce, who's an obvious name. And you're like, OK, won a national title as an assistant. Check. Head coaching experience. Check. Now an assistant who's got another program back in the in the primetime check. And, you know, it, it's um, mm-hmm. I was thinking of uh, John Chef at Virginia Tech. He kind of had this interesting arc where he was an assistant. Then he's the head coach at Marist. Then I think he became an he kind of got himself back on the assistant trail where he's at like Alabama yeah. or no, he's at was he at Alabama or Lafayette somewhere in the south and then Kansas yeah. and Kansas State. Sound yeah. right? I'm trying to remember. Well, well, we can Google it. Oh, that'll be our homework for the week. That's right. That's right. But you know that—that's the hey. You know, as you go through that list. Hey, by the way, can I want to back you up on Monty Lee? You know, it didn't end great at Clemson. I'll tell you what it did do though. It started great. His first three years at Clemson, they hosted a regional. 
um, the, the, um, the first season, they were a top eight national seed. Uh, they just, you know, they lost to Oklahoma State, Vandy, and Vandy. Now, that does stink when you, you I, I, we've all been there, I suppose, where you lose a, you know, you lose in the postseason on your own field. There's no worse feeling than that. But, man, I mean, three straight years of hosting a regional, one of them your top eight. So, I agree, that Monty Lee hire, I, I feel like, man, if, if South Carolina, they might be a buy low for me this year because I feel like they have been, talent. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say, KR. Like, I feel like they've been recruiting good, like, talented dudes. But they've, yeah. you know, Mark Kingston's had tons of turnover on that staff. And I think this is a – this staff really fits well. So that's an interesting Yeah, I mean, you're one. talking about Monty. You're talking about Justin Parker. And let's not forget about Scott Wingo. Yeah. Who was kind of, uh, you know, on the upswing. He's with Jacksonville and Notre Dame, right? And, like, yep. he's been on the upswing as well. So that's a, that's a really good quartet there with those guys. Yeah. You know, two more, let's to, to get a little West Coast centric for a second. Yeah, you know, sure. Travis Jewett, obviously I'm a Travis mm-hmm. Jewett apologist. We all know that. But, you know, I, I always say it. Hey, Washington State went to regionals in 2009 and 2010. That's the last they, they've been to two regionals in 30 plus years. Guess who the assistant coach at the time was? Travis Jewett. You know, when he went to Washington and they were really, really good, or it was Washington, then Washington State. Then he goes to Arizona State. They're the the number one seed in the entire NCAA tournament in 2010. Um, So, you know, Travis Jewett's got a national championship ring at Vandy. I think I look at Steve Rodriguez. Uh, I still, I you know, again, I said it last time. I'm disappointed that Baylor terminated Steve Rodriguez. I thought that was a, I, I didn't like that decision. I, I love the decision to hire Mitch Thompson. I think Mitch Thompson's a great hire there. But Steve Rodriguez is a really interesting assistant coach for Texas. This is a guy that's really good with players, really bright and thoughtful. Um, Woody yeah. Williams is going to be really interesting there. He, you know, people rave about him. I'm really interested to watch him operate too. Yeah, I think the big thing with Texas, and I, and I agree with you on, on Coach Rod, especially. Uh, you know, obviously, I don't I don't know what to expect from Woody Williams. I mean, he was a junior college pitching coach. That's not to say he's not a really good coach, but like we don't know like how that transition is going to be to Division One. I. I think the biggest thing for me when I look at Texas is like how do they replace Troy Tulowitzki? Mm-hmm. Like, can can Steve be that insert and be that replacement for Troy? Because if you talk to anybody around that program over the last few years. They would go, you know, it wasn't Sean Allen, it wasn't Philip Miller, it wasn't Pierce. Like, they feel like the attitude behind that program was Troy Tulowitzki. Like, he is the reason that that offense went from, you know, blah to powerful, aggressive, tough, hard-nosed. And, you know, all of a sudden, you that guy's out of that program. And so, you know, I think Steve, you know, is going to have to dig deep in, in that job. I think we'll do just fine. But I think losing Troy is a, a pretty big deal. Go, going back to, to Jew over there, uh, I'm fascinated to see him in this role. I think this is a perfect role for him. I mean, you think about, you know, Tulane, that's one of the more difficult jobs in college baseball. I mm-hmm. know that comes as a surprise to some people who, who may not know their situation, but you're talking about being a head coach at a place that costs almost $70,000 a year. You're in the middle of New Orleans, which, you know, like – you go down one street next to Tulane, it's awesome. You go down the next, and it might it might be a little dicey. Like, it can be a tough place to recruit to. You had an AD in Troy Dannon who was promising you this, promising you that, never got any of it, and you were expected to win at a high level. Like, that's just not going to happen. Now, what, is, what does Jewett do? He goes to USC. He goes to a program that, do, I mean, doesn't expect a damn thing. Like, mm-hmm. at this point, like, they're so just used to losing. Like, the, the bar is so low. 
And you take a guy like that who's hard-nosed, who has a great background offensively, into a job like that, like I think he could be a, a absolute rock star in a in a no pressure role like that because he can kind of go back to like what made him such a good coach. And so I think that's a great hire for Andy Stakowitz. And kind of on the same note with Woody Williams, like we don't know what to expect out of Seth Etherton. Like like Jewett's going to have to be the dude there because you know Seth Etherton may turn out to be a great great pitching coach, but we don't really know at this point. Yeah, yeah, that's. I'll tell you, if, if we'll do this as we get closer to the preseason, but um, you want to buy low right now, USC baseball. I mean, certainly that program's yeah. got challenges, but they've got a great AD in Mike Bohm. They've got a ton of excitement around the football program for the first time in forever. Um, Andy Stankowitz is great. Um, you know, the move to the Big Ten. I don't know if it's good, bad, or indifferent, but the one, you know, if you believe that no, there, you know, there's no such thing as bad publicity. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's more excitement around USC than there's been um, that athletic department in a long time. So I, I agree. I think they could make a, a, a very, you know, again, they're starting in a low place, yeah. but I think they could make a move. Yeah. You know, can I, can I bring up something else too? Like we, we talked about, you know, South Carolina a minute ago and I, sorry, I'm a little scatterbrained. I don't think about this, but like, you know, we talked about how good it is for, for college baseball that, you know, Jay Johnson's kind of bringing a little pizzazz back to that program to, to an extent. You know, how about in the Palmetto State? I mean, this is a this is a state runes that for a decade and a half, like there was not a better rivalry in college baseball than Clemson, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And suddenly now you have Monty Lee going to South Carolina with Mark Kingston. You've got Clemson. We, you know, we didn't even mention Nick Schnabel and Jimmy Bellinger. You know, like we talk, you talk about putting together a great staff. You have Eric Backage. You got Nick Schnabel, who has been a winner all of his life. Was on was you know associate head coach on the Michigan team that, that played for a national championship. And you talk about Jimmy Bellinger, who, like, it wasn't his fault Florida State had any issues at all last year. Like that right. guy did a great job with Bryce Hubbard, Ross Dunn, you know Parker Messick. Like he is a really good pitching coach. So when you look at those two coaching staffs. Like I think the excitement level in the in the Palmetto State's about to go from like down here to way up here pretty quick. I agree. So that was going to be our the, my wrap up topic, Kr. Yes, yeah, sorry. I'm, so, I'm, no, you're good. That's my ADD kind of creeping that's in on this a little great. bit. It's perfect segue. Look at you. You just you're just working working ahead. Um, so, yeah, it was excellent. So the the phrase I wrote down was high impact coaching staffs. And the mm-hmm. three, and and feel free to throw in another one. And and when I mean like like newer, like newly assembled coaching staffs, okay. the three I wrote down were LSU because you, not only did you get a big league pitching coach in West Jordan, but you got or West Johnson, you got Josh Jordan, who you know his fingerprints are all over that incredible turnaround at yeah. Duke with Chris Pollard. So that's huge for LSU. You mentioned Clemson. And then Florida State, I think, has to be on this list where Link Jarrett is able to get Rich Wallace and Chuck Rostano both to come with him. You know, you could argue that Notre Dame was the, the best coached program in the country or, or they're, they're, they had to be in the conversation. And now that whole crew goes goes down to Tallahassee, where in theory you've got access to more, you know, more raw tools, more resources, better weather, better, you know, everything. No offense to my alma mater. Um <laughs> But, you know, like, like you know, your Florida State baseball is a historic brand in college baseball. Notre Dame is is a cool program. Um, so so between those three and feel feel free to throw another one in there. But how would you if you had to rank those three coaching staffs from an impact standpoint, where, how would you go? Uh, I'm going to think on that, but I'm going to throw some others at you. Like please, some, some, please. some other staffs that I feel like 
really stand out to me. I'm actually going to throw Notre Dame in there. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I'll tell you, and I'll I'll tell you why. If you look at the hires of Logan Robbins and Seth Cutler Volts, VCU was like top ten in the country in staff ERA last year. If you look at Logan Robbins, like he is the architect behind ODU's rise offensively. If you look at, you know, their offense the last few years, like I mean, they've hit bomb after bomb after bomb with Gary Ola and guys like that. Uh, they've hit for a high average. So you've got two guys with really, really good recent track records. You know, Robbins turned down an opportunity to be the head coach at Western Kentucky over the summer. So, you know, I really like that staff. I think Dan Fitzgerald at Kansas put together a really good staff. You know, they yes. got the, the guy from right. SIU Edwardsville. And, you know, circle the name John Coyne. Um, he's a guy who's kind of like a like a JUCO bandit guy of the state of Texas, went to New Mexico. But, like, he is a, it, it, he is a guy that in the Lone Star State – has a really solid reputation. Um, there was another one too. I, you know, I like John Strauss getting hired at, at Northwestern yes. with Jim Foster. I think that's a really good hire. We talked about Sean Allen, you know, going to Ohio State. You know, Andrew C was a guy who, you know, like their their pitching was a little hot and cold at Clemson, but like his reputation at Duke was solid. You know, so I, I like the hires there. Um, and then you know, Western Kentucky. I just mentioned them, but you know, getting hopefully I'm pronouncing this right, but getting Rob Fournier. Uh, at a Wabash Valley, you're getting a guy with like well over a thousand victories as a head coach to go to Bowling Green, Kentucky as an assistant. That's a really impressive hire to me. Yeah, Mark Reardon, that you know, everything about what he's doing at Western Kentucky right now, it's it's like a whirling dervish in a very positive way. And I and we <laughs> talked about that on the last pod, right? Like if you're gonna yeah. be at a school like Western Kentucky, um, you know, you gotta kick up dust, right? Like it's like wins are not gonna just roll into your stadium like you gotta you gotta you gotta you gotta uh kick it up yourself and hey you mentioned bill moziello at ohio state i that's a great call right there kr because you know mo has been an assistant coach for so long and when he he was a manager in professional baseball and a very successful Mm -hmm. one but you know the minor leagues are just so hidden and you know when someone's been an assistant coach for a long time it's so critical that they get the staff right and not only did Mo get the staff right, in my opinion, and I, I believe in yours too, you know, at first it was Greg Wallace, and then yeah. he became the head coach at, at Grand Canyon. So he had to replace Greg Wallace, and he gets Sean Allen. And, and I agree. I think Andrew C., um, there, there's, uh, he's, he's being held accountable for it, it not going great at the end at Clemson. But his track record, I think, is, is much – you know, it's strong. I, I think Andrew C. is a very good coach. So I, I thought that was a very if – if I'm an Ohio State fan and I've watched what Bill Moziello has done from a staff creation standpoint, I'm really optimistic. I'm really excited about that. Yeah, there's no doubt. I, I, thought, a lo- I thought a lot of coaches out there put together really nice, really nice coaching staffs. You know, no question. Mitch Thompson, you know, they he hired Zach Dillon, the former backstop for the Bears, who you know was running the the prestigious twelve you know organization out of out of Texas, has some coaching experience. A lot of people down here think he's kind of a rising star. And so uh, you look at you know not in the assistant ranks, we look at Yale hiring Brian Ham, who's coming off a national championship, uh, you know, non division one, but has a national championship, and he goes to Yale. Uh, I thought there were a lot of interesting hires this year. You know, both coach head coaches assistant coaches yeah i agree it was a really fun interesting if you're a fan of college baseball the coaching carousel both assistant coaching and head coaching this year was really fun really intriguing um Mm -hmm. yeah really really cool so hey let's wrap it there kr i would encourage everyone there's if you're like me and the late draft the draft being july 19th kind of messed you up 
as far as I'll take accountability. I usually follow summer baseball and college baseball very closely. I didn't this year. I whiffed on it pretty big time because the draft just took up all the oxygen. There's so much great stuff on our website right now, you know, profiling the Cape Cod League teams, which is, you know, that's the creme de la creme. You know, Patrick Ebert crushed his write-ups of the Northwoods League. Um, There's so much great stuff. If you're like me and you're, you're trying to kind of fast forward to the fall, and you're trying to get your arms around what happened this summer, I would highly recommend all. There's a piece on the site every single day uh, from summer baseball. Those guys all did a really good job with that. So not to mention the new tinkering that KR did. Yeah, I'll, chances are probably pretty good. I'll do some more tinkering before it's all said and done. <laughs> but right. you know what? It's, it's, no, it's no coincidence that I do all this while Aaron's like white water rafting in like the backwoods right. of Utah uh, somewhere. Hopefully, uh, Hopefully he's safe right now. He looked well, a little concerned right. about that last week. Yeah, that's right. Fitzy's he's the Dos Equis guy on our staff. It's like, where are you going to be next week? Oh, I'm whitewater rafting down the Colorado. Okay. Yeah, he's Sounds probably good. going to like Ireland next week. Yeah. Well, no, he's already gotten back from Ireland to Scotland. So yeah. now, now it's Utah and whitewater rafting. So who the hell knows what's next? KR, when you said the word tinkering, immediately I had a flashback to the movie Old School with Frank the Tank tinkering oh, with yeah. the Red Dragon. And that with uh, asking his wife if she could bring him a fresh beer. I'm pretty sure. I'm that's pretty sure. Like. I'm pretty sure that I watch that show every single time it's on the Paramount show. Oh, I watched it. I watched it last night again. Yeah, that and Wedding Crashers. There's that Jenny oh. and I same way. Those two movies come on. They are not being turned. You are watching them to completion. There's no question. Yeah, it's kind of like I feel like Billy Madison's that way for me too. Good movie. Solid. Yeah. Yep. Well yeah, played. I mean, it's not it's not old school and, and Wedding Crashers, but it's pretty good. Yeah, pretty dang good. So, all right, that's it. We are out of here. Everyone have a great week. We'll catch you either in a week or two weeks as we get into fall ball. Uh, And that is it. Have a good one.